this whole series came to me as I was fishing in a kayak one day and I came up and was loading my kayak and this guy was there and he was helping me load it up and he was tattooed from head to foot and, and we got to talking and he found out I explained I was a pastor of a church and, and then he started telling me his stories and then he started telling me about his tattoos and every tattoo represented a story and every one of them were stories of pain. And, uh, and on my way home from that, God spoke to me the scripture we're going to go into right now. And we put together this series because just as those tattoos represented a story, the Bible says that God has marked every one of us. Let's go into the text that we've been using every week here uh, in this series. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1. We're having some tech issues, so get your notes out. Here we go. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Any say folks in the house this morning? Come on. Anybody here met Jesus? He said, you heard, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked. You were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so we're talking about when you came to Christ and you believed in Jesus, the Bible says not only did you receive salvation, but you and I were marked by the Holy Spirit that if you go into the world today, if you go to gangs, you will find out that gangs, they're marked by emblems and signs that identify who they are. If you go to ball teams, you'll find out that they're identified and marked by brands and logos. But the Bible says as Christians that we are to be marked, and if you are a true Christian that has had a true encounter with Jesus Christ, and you have been marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, then we are marked by the activation of both the person and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. That there's something that makes us different than the rest of the world. And in the book of Acts, we see a story in Acts 1 where Jesus, he's been on the earth now for over three years. His disciples have walked with him. They've watched him minister the word. They've watched him open blinded eyes, make the lame walk. They've watched him do all these miracles. And he knows he's about to leave this earth. He's going to go back to heaven. And now the disciples in the church are going to be here without them. And so he shares with them his last message before he leaves the earth and goes to heaven. How many knows if that's the last message that he's going to share is probably the most important one that he's going to share. And the message that Jesus leaves his disciples was this. I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to go to Jerusalem. And I want you to go in that upper room. And I want you to wait there for I'm about to send you a promise. And that promise is going to be the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a trifle. There's a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you've met the Father through me. You've met me, but I'm one man that can only be in one place. But I'm about to go to my Father. But if you'll go tarry and wait, I'm going to sin. And the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to infill you. And he's going to give you power. They wanted to change the subject and go back and talk about the restoration of Israel, about them. And he comes right back and says, no, we're not going to be distracted. If you're going to live the Christian life, if you're going to be marked, if you're going to be sealed, you've got to have an encounter with this person called the Holy Spirit. And there they waited in the upper room and they received power. After that, the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And here's what Jesus said, and here's what I want you to get our message today. 
I want to talk to you today on purposeful. We've talked to you about being marked by the Holy Spirit. We said it's permanent. We share with you it's passionate. We share with you it's painful. We shared it's powerful. And today I want to talk to you about purposeful. That God saves us and he seals us with the Holy Spirit with an eternal purpose. And he gave that purpose to the church in Acts 1.8. He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. In both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You see, our boldness to stand for Christ and be a witness of him to lost mankind is the very sign that seals and marks us as Christian believers. Are we sharing our faith with the unchurched and the unsaved? Jesus didn't leave us empty-handed. He gave us what's called the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. Because how many knows you take Jesus out of us and we're selfish, self-centered people again that have no concern about anybody but me? And then if you take the Holy Spirit out of us, we're insecure, we're afraid, we're fearful, we know our inadequacies and our insecurities, and who wants to listen to this? So God knew that, and he said, I'm going to take care of that. I created you with that fleshly body, but I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you, and I'm going to empower you that you can be my witness, and I'm going to have supernatural gifts operating in your life, and there's going to be the fruit of the Spirit that's going to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all. He said, I'm going to come over, and I'm going to take charge of your life, and we're going to go reach a world for Jesus that doesn't know him. And, and he's saying, I marked you with a purpose. And so get your notes out. We're marked with a plan. Number one, God's plan, number one, is God's desire is that every person in your sphere of influence is to be saved. That's God's ultimate desire, is that every person that's in your sphere of influence, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God has strategically placed you where you are as a means to reach certain people that no one else is going to have the ability to reach. Certain family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, school where you attend, the ball teams that you're on, people that you do life with. Listen, 67% of Escambia County is unchurched today. God placed you on that job that you wish God you didn't have. He puts you there for more than a paycheck. He puts you there to be a missionary on a mission field. He puts your son and daughter on that specific ball team so that you could be in the stands with certain parents and you could share your faith in Jesus Christ. He puts you working at that specific hospital. He gave you those gifts that you have because there's a sphere of influence that God has put around you. And right in the midst of all of that darkness, hurt, and pain, God has placed a soldier of the cross full of his spirit, empowered by his presence to be a witness to say, there's still a solution to your problem. There's an answer to your need and it's not my church and it's not my preacher but it's this person I met called Jesus and he can change your life just like he's changing mine and God's desire is that you come and everyone around us is saved Jesus put it like this in scripture he said we're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden therefore let our light shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our father in heaven God wants everyone in your sphere of influence saved. 
You see, you've been marked by the Holy Spirit with purpose to reach as many unsaved with the hope of Jesus as you possibly can. It's God's ultimate desire and purpose in your life. What is my win? What is my win? My wife had me go watch the movie, uh, The Guardian. And she said, there's this one part you've got to see. And it was when that captain was asked, how many people did he win? How how did he know who to go save when he jumped into the ocean as a a saver with um, whatever that group is? Coast Guard, thank you. There's a good wife over there making me look better. The Coast Guard, and he jumps out of the helicopter and he rescues these drowning people. And as Kathy said, you got to see this. I thought of you when I saw it and I went. And they said, how do you know who to rescue? And he said, I jump in the water and I swim as hard as I can, as long as I can, and I reach as many as I can. And the rest I have to give up to the sea. And I pray to God, help me swim as hard as I can as long as I can and reach as many as I can the only thing I can take to heaven with me is not houses and lands and buildings and lights and stuff it's the souls of people that were lost in darkness and bondage but Jesus allowed me to be a voice to point them to the person called Christ and we've got to realize that God has placed you right where you are to be an influence on the sphere of influence that he's given you Number two, God's plan is to reach the entire world. Not just your family and your friends, but God's desires to reach the entire world. Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always. How many glad God doesn't send us to do anything by ourselves? He said, I'm with you. All I need you to do is just be obedient and have my heart. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. His desire, his plan is to reach the world for Christ. Do you know, and this is Dan Livingston theology, I believe the only thing preventing the rapture right now is the patience of God to reach more people that are eternally damned, that they can have eternal life in Christ. I believe God's sick and tired of what he's seeing on this earth. I believe the only thing that's holding back his return is that he wants more people to come into the kingdom, and he's patiently waiting. We see that in Scripture in 2 Peter 4, 8, 9. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That God is in heaven just being patient, waiting on us to do our part in sharing this good news of Jesus with those that are hurting and lost around us. There's an a organization out there called the Joshua Project. And they, they do research around the world and, and they've shown that there's 16,500 people groups around the world, groups of people that are acknowledged. Do you know that 6,900 are considered still unreached by the gospel today? Representing 2.9 billion people and people groups that have yet to hear 
the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ in our world today. I believe that's the only thing that's keeping Jesus from coming back today. He's still waiting on the church to give that gospel to every person that they'll have the opportunity to meet Christ because his ultimate desire is that every person come to know Jesus. While God has held back his judgment for the sake of saving sinners, most Christians are known on social media for their political and social views, but we know very little about where you stand spiritually. Because we're, we're loud and clear on what party we represent or what we agree with on social issues or not, but I don't hear many people talking on social media about how Jesus changed your life and transformed you and made you brand new. And there's something more important than a football field. You see, NFL players are taking a knee. While everyone is arguing over devotion to our flag or a commitment to stand against social injustice, I haven't heard one person talking about the eternal condition of those young men on that sideline. I hadn't heard one person talk about are they saved, are they going to heaven, are they going to hell? We're so wrapped up in social issues, we forgot there's an eternity and every one of us are going to spend some place for eternity, heaven or hell. And while we're over here arguing and debating things that are going to go away, eternity is going to be forever. And God's plan is that not one would perish, but all would come to everlasting life. So let's look at this today. How does this happen? Number one, get your notes out again. We must see the importance of every day. We must see the importance of every day. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, he says, be careful then, be, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I live my life on this, and anyone that's attended this church long, especially my staff's heard me say this hundreds of thousands of times probably over the 38 years that I've been in ministry, but I believe and I pray it, and I pray it over our prayer team here every Saturday morning as I bring this up, that recognize that every day of your life, God has a divine appointment already set on the calendar of heaven with a hurting person. Every day of my life, I look for that person. I look for that individual at a gas pump, in a line at a Walmart, at a restaurant, away or a server somewhere every day of my life. God has a divine appointment set up. You cannot waste a day of the opportunity of sharing the good news of Jesus to a hurting and a broken person. God has set it up. Listen, there's a hurting world out there and they're crying out to God whether you know it or not. And God is sending them to us, those that have his heart, those that have his spirit, those that are filled with his power. He assigned them to be at that gas pump the moment you were going to be there because he he knew he had somebody he could trust with the gospel of Jesus Christ and let us live wise and not waste a day but realize that every day of our life is valuable and important and there's hurting and there's broken people around us listen I do not want to build this church on other churches people God will send us people he has sent us people from other churches he will send people here as he has to other churches but there's a community around us that's lost and hurting and dying and broken and listen today I say God send us the alcoholic send us the prostitute give us the rich give us the poor give us the businessman give us the family give us the single mom but father don't send them to us send us to them 
send us to them because they're not interested in your church. They're interested in your story because they don't want your church yet. They want you. And God's called every one of us. Do you know 53% of the unchurched will never step in our church in America unless you talk to them about Jesus outside the church first? Every day is another opportunity to reach another person for Christ. Work, play, family, school activities are all good and important. But never forget that these are simply groups of people that God has placed in our life to impact with the hope of Jesus. This is why here at Transformation Church, we will not be distracted from our purpose. And that is, number one, that every one of us leaves this building and we're a light and we're sought and we're bringing newness and we're bringing life to every person and every group that's around us. And on Sunday morning, we have one motive here. You're going to get fed. You're going to worship God, but we're going to throw a net and we're going to try to bring as many unsaved people into the kingdom as we possibly can. And that's why right now we've got 148 Cards that have been turned in this year alone in nine months, 148 people have signed the card and say, I committed my life to Jesus this morning here on a Sunday morning. Over 90% of them are going through our growth track or have gone through our growth track and are getting established in God. I will not apologize for that. It's sad when you feel like you have to defend reaching the unsaved to church people. And we've got to come and realize today that if you walked in this building broken, you walked in this building lost, you walked in here searching and empty, you walked in here wondering if there's hope for your life, you're in the right place because you've entered a group of people that once was lost but now were found. We were blind but now we see somebody loved us enough to tell us about Jesus and today we want to tell you about him that you can experience the same encounter with him that we've had and is life-changing and is eternal. You see, you cannot be a spirit-filled believer. Listen to your pastor today. You cannot be. I grew up in Pentecost where everybody gathered and we had a big hoorah church service and people ran, jumped, spoke in tongues, shouted and danced and not one person came to Christ. We'd go months and not see a person convert. Matter of fact, the largest Pentecostal organization in America by their own reports last year, over 30% said they did not see one new convert in their church throughout the whole year. Listen to your pastor today. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be a witness of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a spirit-filled church and not see people giving their lives to Jesus in your altars every week. Good preaching, pastor. I know that'll get some emails online. Yes, it will. And I'm ready for them. Because let's don't talk opinion. Let's talk scripture. Spirit-filled people are always pointing lost people to Jesus because that's the only thing he's patiently waiting for. See, I don't look at our numbers. I, I don't care how many people we have attend here today. I don't even know what our offering is. I'll find out at some point. The one number I find out before I get in my vehicle and go home on Sundays is how many people committed their life to Christ today because if that number's healthy, the other two will take care of themselves. And we've got to come and realize today that God, he, he, he wants you to take advantage of every moment, of every hour. Be looking wherever you are. There's people around you hurting and they're broken. God's marked you with a purpose. Be that light. Number two, share the unconditional love of Jesus. Share the unconditional love of Jesus. 
We see in Scripture in John, he said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This totally violates everything we see on social media today. We see it on social media, the I and the me. But when we connect with the heart of Jesus, it now becomes a us and a we and a them. It's not about I and it's not about me. Sin and social issues surround us. Hate and violence fill our land. Sides are being taken on race, political parties, and agendas. But Jesus said in the last days, the heart of men is going to grow worse. Can I go ahead and give you a prophetic statement up here today? It's not going to get better. Now, I know that's not encouraging on the secular side. It's not going to get better. But the darker it gets out there, the greater the light of Jesus shines in mine and your life, giving us the greatest opportunity the church has ever had to be a light in the world of darkness. We are not going to fix society's social issues by man's ability and knowledge and skill. They've thrown God out of the system, so the only solution has been thrown away. And so it's not going to get better. Jesus prophesied it's going to get worse. The heart of men is going to grow worse and worse and worse. It's going to get worse. The closer we get to the rapture of Jesus, is going to get worse. But it's the hour that God has raised up His church to say now, be a light in this world of darkness. Get your stuff off of arguing and debating all of these issues out there and come back and realize there's one thing that matters. Every person is going to heaven or hell. Did you know that God loves Democrats? And he loves Republicans? And he even loves us independents. Do you know he loves Barack Obama? And he even loves Donald Trump. So be careful what you say. Because all are going to heaven or hell. And we've got to come and realize today that the problem with America is not the presence of sin. It's the absence of God. The problem with our nation is not that there's so much sin. It's just there's too little God. While the world is sinning boldly, the church is serving Jesus quietly privately the focus of every true christian should be reaching the heart the eternal destiny of lost men something far more important than trying to fix society of its problems stop a life from going to hell paul put it like this he said i became all things to all people that i might reach some i've told my children when i die i the only thing that i pray that my life will put on that headstone is only one thing that i really care that's on there and i just wanted to be able to say he cared that he cared, not that he was a preacher, not that he was that, that he cared. Are you called to your church or are you called to your community? Why did you come here? So that you can build a church or so that we can reach more people for the kingdom of God? Why do we live? And there's a world around us that's dying and going to hell. You see, people will never love your God if you don't give them a reason to love you first. People have asked me, why, why are you so adamant on souls, Pastor? I've held those babies that were born addicted to crack and held them while they're going through withdrawals and they don't understand it because they didn't ask for this. 
I've sat by the bed of AIDS patients in Cincinnati. I was one of three pastors that went to a hospital that was all AIDS patients and final stages of AIDS. And, and I've held the hand of more people, I can tell you, sitting by their bed when they breathe their last breath of air. When Christians said, I don't want to be close to you because I might get that. And rather judging them, they just wanted a friend that would sit by their bed and care. I've had the woman walk into my church in New York with her hands looked like softballs because of abscess needles. She couldn't, she didn't have fingers. She had stubs. Her hands were two round balls. Her neck was swollen a mass from shooting veins in her neck. Her body was now so swollen she couldn't get a vein to rise. She couldn't find a vein. She had shot under her armpits, under her eyelids. She had shot everywhere she could get a vein to rise and she's screaming, help me, help me. I've held that woman. So don't ask me to just play church. I run outside when a woman was screaming and I've watched a man rake her face across the iron gates and blood flying everywhere. When we're feeding people in the South Bronx and I go out to try to rescue her and the police come and find out it's a husband and wife and they refuse to let us take her in and they made us let her go. And I begged them and I cried. And I begged that officer not to let her go, that she would be dead in the morning. And I had to let her go. I had her in my hands. I had her in my arms and I had to let her go. And her body was found the next morning in an abandoned building two blocks from our church. And I made a vow to God that day, I'll never let another one go. I'll never let another one go. There's something more important to me than just saying we had a good Sunday. God was there. It was a good service. And you don't have this heart. I'm not preaching at you. I'm trying to motivate you. Let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Let's get refocused. Let's stay focused that the intention and the purpose of our life individually in this church is there's a hurting world out there. They're your mother, your brother, your father, your sister, your friend, your family, your coworker, your neighbor. God has called us to go out of this building. Don't just come and have good church. Come and have good church, but then go out and make a difference. Amen. Let's transform the hearts and lives of people. I was walking down the streets of New York. I was 23 years old. There was a guy sitting there on the sidewalk and I, I'd met him before. His name was Max. Max grew up in a very wealthy home in Manhattan and his parents died and left him millions of dollars and he squandered it, betting and gambling and wound up a homeless alcoholic and Max would walk down the street acting like he knew karate. His mind was blown. When we found Max, he was laying in an alley and had maggots crawling in his body, rotten, laying in drunken stupor. This day, Max, we tried to bathe him. He'd never take a bath. We've offered him a bath so many times. His feet, they were still his shoes, and so his feet were always dirty and matted and stunk and just nasty. We just happened to have Nike just brought a truckload of shoes to our church, and, and, and we're on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx, which is eight lanes, four one way and four the other. And, and I walk up to the church, and Max is sitting at the doorsteps, and his shoes are stolen again. He's sitting there, and he's we're feet, about to feed. He's going to eat, and... And, and I knew he had those shoes. And I said, Max, I said, listen, we just got some shoes, man. Let me get you some shoes. And, and I tried to get him to come in. He wouldn't come in. He wouldn't go in to eat. We had to bring food out to him. And I went in and got some shoes. And I come back out and I handed them to Max. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. and said, no, you put them on him. You put them on him. And I knelt down in front of Max at the Grand Grand Course. And I, those his feet were as nasty as I've ever seen in my life. That's the time God's going to tell you to do that, right? 
And I knelt down and I began to put the shoe on Max. And I slipped one on him and then I got the other one. I began to slip on him. And I promise you before God, I'm not exaggerating a thing. When I looked up, I no longer saw Max. It was like a glow. It was like a light as bright as I've ever seen in my life was sitting there shining. And the Lord spoke that scripture to me as plain as I'm talking to you today. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And I stood and I began to weep and cry. And I would literally walk through the Bronx for over three hours just crying. And I realized that my greatest encounter with God of my life was not in an auditorium with a thousand Christians singing the glory of God. It was not in the table with 20 pastors talking about ministry and vision and purpose in life. My greatest encounter to today in my 59 years with God was with a homeless derelict on the streets of the South Bronx with dirty, matty feet. But when I saw him, I got to see Jesus in a way that I've never, ever seen Jesus before or since. Today, many of us are looking for our encounter with God in an altar with everybody praying around us, and those times are great and good. But I'm here to tell you today, your greatest encounters with Jesus are not going to happen inside this church. They're not going to happen in a camp meeting. They're going to happen when you go out there and be that light and be that salt and let Jesus just become alive inside of you and go impact somebody's heart and life with the hope of this person we celebrate every week called Jesus. Last of all, we supply the great commission. We supply the great commission. Luke 10, chapter 2 says, He, Jesus, told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Can I just give you a shout and say thank you last Sunday we just quickly brought before you the need of Puerto Rico and we have a church over there Justin Colon Pastor Sam Colon's son he's already feeding people with little that they have no power no water we immediately took up an offering you gave $3,500 last Sunday for Puerto Rico the generators are already there and on the way and and now in his home and his church it's been opened up as a shelter and they're feeding and they're taking care and as soon as a plane will let us land we're taking a crew of people over there but i want to tell you when you connect with the heart of jesus and you're marked with purpose you start seeing the kingdom you start realizing that there's there's a supply i've got to be a part of something bigger than me Jesus said, there's the harvest and it's great and it's plentiful, but I need some people that will give me their time. They'll give me their talents. They'll give me their treasure. That I'm going to sow into this great commission. And I challenge you as Transformation Church, don't wrap your world just around you, around your situation, because all of us have one. All of us are in a battle. All of us are in a journey. All of us. But don't let us wrap our life around our situation and circumstances, but let us introduce other people into our world and let's give our time. Let's give our talents. You do that so well here. Through our dream team, over 150 of you serve here every Sunday morning. Through all over this campus, sharing, giving of your gifts and your talents making something happen, making it work. We give of our treasure, our income, our resources that we sow into something bigger than a church. We sow into something that's kingdom. 
The first thing we do of every offering that comes in this building is we take the first 10% before we pay a bill, we pay anything. That first 10% is going to missions and we're going to reach the lost, more lost people for Jesus Christ. We're going to give more than that 10%. We're usually around 30. But I want to tell you, when you connect with God's heart, you connect and the Holy Spirit becomes alive inside of you, then you're going to want to go, I, I want to give my time. I want to share my talents. I want to give them my treasure because I want as many people in the kingdom as I can possibly get in Jesus' name. So I challenge you as Transformation Church as your pastor today, I want to challenge us that we never forget why God brought us here. We never forget why he saved us. How many is thankful for your salvation? How many is thankful that Jesus sent somebody into your world and you heard their story? And today your life's changed and different because of it. God, help us to go out and let's go do it again. And let's make an eternal difference in the lives of other people with purpose. You and I, look at your neighbor and tell them, I've been marked with purpose. Now tell them you've been marked with purpose. Now let's go make a difference in the lives of other people. Come on, you receive God's word today? Bow your heads with me, if you will. If I sounded like I preached at you today, I apologize for that. This is just my passion, man. I'm not apologizing for the message. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You won't ever hear that one. This is the heartbeat of Jesus. The reason we changed, and I'm over already, but the reason that we changed the name of this church, many people are asking me that now more than ever. Why did you change? Because I was frustrated. Five years ago, I was frustrated as a pastor. The church was healthy. My family was healthy. Marriage was healthy. But I was preaching out of know-how, not out of anointing, because it was I was empty. I was dead empty for months. And I cried out to God, and I said, I don't get it. We have a friendly church. We're preaching the gospel, but we were seeing one or two people saved every Sunday because anyone knows me knows if we have a Sunday service here and no one commits their life to Christ, I'm not preaching next Sunday. We're just going to come and repent. I mean, five, 600 of us meet on Sunday morning. Nobody gave their life to Christ. How good of a service is that? We lost our purpose. That's never happened in this church and it never will. But I was saying, God, I don't get it. Why We're, we're a healthy church, but why are we only seeing one or two saved on Sunday? And my heart began to cry out to God. We've got to see more. We've got to do better. And in Jacksonville, Florida, at the Art Conference, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I woke up in the middle of the night, Transformation Church, and our church was Hearts of Love on Fairfield. And, and I thought, well, okay. And I went back to sleep and I woke up again two hours later, Transformation Church. And I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And I got up and I looked, Transformation. I Googled it. What does that mean? An immediate change of appearance, form, and character. God said, go home, change the name of your church, get ready for a new season of ministry, and don't be afraid of change. And we did that, and I've had more fun in my last five years than I've had in 35 years of ministry because I get to see more people come into the kingdom, which has been you and the next crew that's going to come in at 11 o'clock and watching God transform lives and watching people find their purpose and their freedom in Jesus, and we're having the ride of our life. And I want you to take that ride with us. Bow your heads with me. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm that person. 
someone invited me or I just came on my own, but I sit here today and I realize that this isn't about religion. This is about a relationship with a person called Jesus. And today I realize that he actually loves me. He really loves me right where I am. And pastor, there's some things in my life that need to get better. I I need Jesus. I don't just want to improve my old. I want to change. I need a change in my life. And I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand up? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you raise it. God bless you. I need that change in my life today, pastor. Pray for me. Maybe online, maybe on the web. You need to pray that prayer with us. We want to pray with you. If you raised your hand or you did not and you need Jesus in your life today, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, you celebrate with me that these that raised their hand and prayed that prayer today here and online.